I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mikey Eyelashes. <laughs> and this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Oh, Mikey got me on that one. Didn't mm, see it coming. Yep. <laughs> so how are you, Mikey Eyelashes? <laughs> I'm doing well, Carrington. How are you? I'm doing well as well. It's not... It's not been that long since we podcasted. No, it's only been three or four days. Yeah, because we were we were late on the on the last show. We have a regular recording day, which we I don't remember the last time we actually recorded on our regular day. <laughs> Even today is a day late. We're always that's why we set it early in the week, so we have the ability to bump it and bump it and bump it, and yet not miss a week so far. He's said jinxing us. Yeah, we've been a day late a couple of times, but uh, I'll blame that on you. Yeah, totally. I'll own that one. I'll take it. I'll take it. So what's new, Mike? Anything exciting? Um, not a whole lot's happened. We recorded on Sunday. Today is Thursday, so a few days have passed, but it's been pretty quiet. How are things up in Toronto land? Things are awesome, except today it's rainy, 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 rainy. But that was a good excuse to sit inside and play games, both the, this week's game and just games in general. I have been, uh, because I've been considering lately maybe listing my my um, Fix-It Felix Jr. cab for sale. It's it's spurred me to enjoy it all the more while I have it. So I've been playing a ton of it lately. And I still kind of suck. <laughs> gotta say, I still kind of suck at this game. But man, it is super fun. It is a game that has not at all grown old in the, uh, the, very, the months that I have owned it. So loving it, loving it. And speaking of arcade cabinets, he said, stretching the segue, we got email from uh, Rex. Who sent us saying, I just came across this article. It's a bit dated, but I thought it was interesting. And he pointed us to something from Edge Online, edge-online.com. It's a news article about the University of Stanford snapping up, uh, pun there, snapping up a collection of 650 retro arcade photographs. And um, like he points out, you can follow the link to the article and it shows the, it shows a few samples of these photographs. They're all black and white photos of, of arcades from the 80s. And the collection is available for research. So if you want to head over to the Stanford Library, you can actually check it out or um, I guess look at it. It's probably one of those collections you're not allowed to actually take with you. But very cool that it exists and that you can go see it. And also pretty cool that a university would think that that's something worth uh, archiving. Yeah, and, and I think it's important that this sort of thing is being done. You can't really have the experience of an 80s arcade anymore, the dark, smoky, kind of dangerous place that your parents don't want you to go. Um, I, those days are long gone, but at least somebody is doing is making an effort to pre- preserve a little piece of that. Exactly. And you know who else is making an effort to preserve a little piece of that? Who is that character? The internet in general, because coincidentally, I had already listened. In case you're hearing like clicking and that kind of stuff, so for our audience can know, um, there was a click recently, like like a big bang, and that was like a weird thing falling on my desk, and I flicked it away, and I realized that was the thing holding the batteries into my keyboard. So I'm trying to reach it with my toes, <laughs> so I'm unable to type anything. So when we get to the score, I might have to just memorize it. So anyway, moving on, just to let people know how professional our recording is. how i wish this was a video podcast i wish <laughs> so much that i could see this right now reaching out with my foot to pick up the, the batteries for my keyboard yeah i'm, I'm kind of classy that way mm. anyway the um coincidentally before i got rex's um, email pointing to that cool thing at stanford i'd come across something else 
I think through BuzzFeed, but BuzzFeed had found it through iHeart Chaos, who probably, no doubt being iHeart Chaos, found it through somebody else. So it had filtered around and tracing it back to its source. It is a Flickr group. I guess on Flickr, you can make groups. And there's a group called Growing Up in Arcades. And we'll have a link in the show notes to this. But if you want to go to it, just go to Flickr.com and then search for Growing Up in Arcades. It's a collection of photographs. Basically, from 1979 until the early 80s, just taken in arcades, mostly by amateurs, I guess, but they're in color and they're totally awesome. So unlike the Stanford collection, where it's all in black and white, this, I think, captures like the vibrant colors and the oranges and the reds and the ridiculousnesses of the colors of the 80s of the arcades. Really, really, really fun. So I was just filled with nostalgia, not just for the games, because it's cool to see the arcade setups. But it's about looking at like the way people play games. It's something about an arcade because people get into the games. They hunch over them and other people gather around and watch people play. And you really get a sense for the sort of the vibrancy of, of the scene and, and the fact that it's a social thing. And you also get a sense for the way people's hair and clothing look. And that's an, <laughs> that's an important element of arcades that, that has been lost. Those shorts with the, the cuts on the side that everybody in these photos are wearing. And I remembered them. Anyway, it's pretty, pretty awesome stuff. So we'll have a link to both these in the show notes. Kind of sad that I'm old enough to remember wearing those shorts. <laughs> I never own up to wearing them myself, of course. Oh, no. I'm not in them now. That's for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so anyway, I thought those – we'll have links to both of those, the Stanford collection and to this uh, growing up at arcades uh, Flickr group in our show notes. So what other kind of feedback did we get, Mike? Uh, well, before we move on from Mr. Uh, Rex Allison, he sent an email actually back in March that I totally forgot to – Read and there's only oh, shame on you, Mike. I shame you. There's there's only one part of this that's actually really important to me, and that's this. <laughs> he said one more thing, and I mean this in the kindest way. I worked for Zilog. I worked for Zilog for three years from from 2004 to 2007, and not one person ever called the Z80 a Z80. Carrington. Well, that's amazing that he was so insulated. He didn't even know his own product. <laughs> <laughs> The reality is I do think, like, in that case, yes, it would be a Z80 because I guess it's American. Sounds ridiculous. Plus, most of the, the computers I know of, like, it, in in aggregate, I think the larger number of computers that I'm aware of that really use that chip were more BBC things and more, or rather, more British things. And there, they, they speak the Queen's English. They speak properly, Mr. Lashes. They say <laughs> Zed the way God intended. All right. Rob O'Hara. Uh, Flack. Rob. Oh, Rob. Oh, wait, no, we should talk about Ken first. Ken. You've heard of Ken. He wrote us. He wrote, oops, so this happened. Did you read his his link? I did, yes. He sent us a link to uh, the Classic Arcade Museum site, which is classicarcademuseum.org. And I guess there was something called, uh, something at the American Classic Arcade Museum had a 15th annual International Classic Video Game Tournament. There's a big tournament, and you can, and and how it works is like for sixty dollars you get two hundred and fifty tokens, and then you have four days to play with the tokens, and it logs various high scores. It's about who has the the best scores at the end of the four days. I didn't know anything about this, Mike. You probably knew about this. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't know about it either, Carrington. Oh, you lie. Not in this case. No, uh, this actually takes place every year at Fun Spot. So how did you not know about it every year? <laughs> I wasn't playing, paying attention to Fun Spot, I guess. I like, I like how I fire up the blame thrower and just put it all on you <laughs> as if I didn't have any way of knowing this. Yep, this was news to me. I'm really okay with that. No, it's, yeah, I've, this is not something that I'd, uh, heard of. I, I'm, 
Well, that's not true. I think that this competition was highlighted in The King of Kong. I, I believe that's that was one of the... Oh, okay. Um, battlefields, I guess, if you want to call it that. I, don't, I do want to call it that. I don't know if that's where Steve Wiebe showed up to play Billy and prove that his score was valid or not. That sounds right to me. Sounds right to me, too. Anyway, it looked fun. And I really like the idea like that in the article, which we'll, again, have a link to in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And thanks, Ken, for sending it to us. Um, I liked how in the article a lot of people are saying it's not even it's, – well, it's a tournament. It's not as much about trying to win as it is about sort of the friendly camaraderie and trying to – recreate the experience of of the arcading so like like we have in those photographs we're linking to as well so makes me want to go i want 250 tokens play them all in one game how far are you from i have never been to fun spot i gotta go i gotta go soon man i gotta go soon i keep watching videos online about fun spot and it makes me makes me just pant for them oh i went with ken a couple of summers ago and um... did he beat you in every game or did you win a lot. He tended to beat me more than I beat him. Right. So it must be a familiar feeling when I trounce you <laughs> oh, every week. Goodness. Here we go again. <laughs> it's all right. I think I, I think I got you this week. Uh, you may have. <laughs> I did pretty good, but I'm not that confident. I forgot to trash talk on Twitter. So let's talk about Rob. Speaking of trash talking, I got to write Rob O'Hara today because he wrote to us. Okay, he wrote, just listened to the latest podcast and played Targ this week, or Targ last week. Coincidence? And I wrote back, it must be a coincidence, baby, because that's not this week's game. Suck it, Rob. You got it wrong. (laughs) Which just feels so good because he knows so much more about this stuff than I do. (laughs) So, I think, in fact, didn't we, weren't you mentioning that we had a few people guess incorrectly this week? Well, we did have someone else, uh, Ultravox, I believe. Yeah, let's call them out. Let's name and shame everybody who tried to participate. That'll show you for enjoying our show. He guessed Gorf. Gorf is so good. But I can see, I think he was guessing maybe from the, the, rather than the sound, then from the look of the screenshot, which has a Gorfness to it. The screenshot that you posted on Twitter. Yeah, maybe so. I retract my neener neener. (laughs) You, You take that neener back, mister. So what was this week's actual mystery game, Mr. Lashes? (laughs) <laughs> this week's game was, and the reason that I chose it was because this is far and away the most requested game we've had so far by which surprises me by three or four times. Like so, this week's game is uh, Exodus Spectar. Spec not Spectre, but Spectar. Spectar with an A. Right, Spectar with an A. Because I guess this turns out to be a sequel to Targ, which I guess was meant Target, and this is special Target. It's the Spectar. Oh. I hadn't yeah. thought of huh. that. I didn't know that. I read that online. So some site convinced me of that. Uh, that makes sense, and I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it, too. So tell me about Spectar, Mike. I could if I had the link open, Carrington. I'll tell you about Spectar, Mike. <laughs> so in Spectar, you steer your battleship around a geometric grid to avoid collisions with enemy ships and fire upon these ships for points. You run over twirling stars for extra points. A level is complete when either all of the enemy ships have been destroyed or the stars have been collected. So... It's an odd combination of like maze game because we've got a nine by nine grid, although it's not really a maze like Pac-Man. It's closer to Targ in that it's mostly almost like in most places, it's just empty rows, nine by nine. But there are some areas that block you on each level. And then 
um, a space shooter because you're flying around and you're shooting and it's kind of like Rally X in that you're driving and you can sort of drive faster or slower if you push forward or or back along the path that you're going and 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 you can shoot. So it's it's a it's like sort of a it felt kind of like a combination of a bunch of games um, and of course is very very similar to Targ. It does feel like you know the Targ sequel, which I guess it, is what it was. Yeah, in fact, the the actual gameplay hasn't changed at all uh, from Targ to Spectre. And I remember Targ being more difficult. Now maybe I've just gotten incredibly good because you know yeah, but more likely I was playing on a ROM set that was easier or something because I remember sucking more at Targ than I sucked at Spectar. <laughs> That's the level. So did you play Target all this week or just Spectar? I did not play. I, 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 hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guy who sticks with the game. You assign me a game, baby. And mostly I'm trying my best to play as much as I can so I can get a better score than you. So I'm highly motivated. <laughs> That's as much purity as uh, like small-mindedness. It's all about the trash talk and the mockery. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. I actually did play Target a couple of times just to see the comparison there, and Target is quite a bit more difficult than Spectre. Okay, so you remember yeah, that's how I, I remembered it. Yeah, being definitely more difficult. So, okay, cool. So, what struck me most, like what sort of struck me first, rather about about Spectar, was the vibrancy and small number of colors. Like, so we've played a lot of games that are not very vibrant or not very colorful. And we've played some games that are incredibly colorful. That castle game we played was like, oh my gosh, everything but orange or whatever. This is a game that seems to like almost buzz on the screen. It is so like, just like get those phosphors going. And yet it's using like, it's got red, it's got green, it's got blue, it's got white. And that's what it's got. And again, everything is what, it, and no mixes, no shades. It's like, no, you will be bright red, or you'll be blue, or you'll be green, or you'll be everything. And that's it. It's like R- RGB, but only one at a time. Crazy colors in this thing. Well, that probably has to do with the fact that it's, uh, its main CPU is the, the M6502 at 705 uh, kilohertz. Now, Another one. So yes. this is, wow, what's with these tiny little slow things? Well, the thing is, I, I think this proves that even with a limited chip like that, you can have a really, really fun game. Yep. As opposed to, uh, what was that other game, that, that really crappy one that, that knows? Oh, God. Yeah, that thing, the Satan's of Satan's, not Satan's Satan of Saturn. Satan of Saturn. Yes, that's, that, Satan that's of Saturn. Of oh, my God, that game blew. And I guess it was basically on this on the same speed, same chip. Right, it's basically the oh. same hardware setup uh, as far as But it's tr- this game thing. is trying to do less graphically, though. So it's a little, but I mean, it's much better gameplay. Oh, my God, this gameplay is so much better than that. For me, anyway, it came down to, yeah, the, the graphics are not, Great by any stretch of the imagination, but this is but they're about, good enough. They're good enough, right? And yeah. This is about the gameplay itself and trying yep. to escape those little red, little red aliens that see that were so good at at hitting you at corners. Oh my gosh! Yes, it's almost like they want to. With I don't know whether it was like they had some artificial intelligence because it didn't feel like that. It just felt like they just like would just be whipping always where I wanted to be. And well, you can shoot them. Like, so you'd think that a game like this would be easy because you're just whipping down these corridors and you can shoot straight ahead. So if anybody's thing's going to come at you, just keep firing and you'll be fine. But no, they get you on these corners and, and just like, ah, oh, yeah, gameplay is, is more difficult than it looks like it will be right away. And yet not super difficult. Like you get, it's a game that you can sit down and you just play and it's, it's a game that you can pick up in 20 seconds because the controls are really Simple. It's just one button to fire and, and a four-way joystick to move, and you and you just move in these little four directions in a very very simple nine by nine grid. Um, it's just you know move, shoot, pick up the dots, and you're done. But super fun. Like it really is a game that I think wouldn't be improved by better graphics because it's just stripped down, fun gameplay. I think you're right, Carrington. This is all about um, all about the, the game and and 
it's something that, you know, the, the old cliche, uh, easy to learn, impossible to master. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of it for me anyway was the fact that you have two, maybe three speeds. I, I couldn't really tell if there was a middle speed in there, but your car starts out kind of slow and you can accelerate and then it's, and then it's really, really quickly. And that, and that's when it becomes, very easy to miss corners and turns and go crashing into one of these little red aliens. Exactly. And yet it's so tempting to use that speed to whip around. Um, because if you go really slow, then you're going to get overwhelmed or things can shoot you. So I keep laying it into high gear, but wow, then I just barrel into stuff. So there's seven or eight or nine of those little red, the little red aliens. And then there's two, uh, tank, what I called tank aliens. They're green and they also, they, they, re- they generate on the screen and they tend to be better at following you and they, sh- they can shoot back at you. And when you destroy them, another one will appear on the screen. Whereas with the red ones, when you, when you wipe them out, they're gone. Right. And I, for the most part, strategy wise, focused more on picking up all the dots because you clear a level when you pick up all the dots. So I would shoot things. Absolutely. But I was trying to focus on whipping around, getting the dots and uh, clearing the level. And then that would move you on to the next one. Because every time you clear a level, you get a thousand point bonus times the number of levels you've cleared. So 1000, then 2000, then 3000, then 4000. So I really enjoyed watching those add up. It made me a real sense of accomplishment. You see the big flashing like 6000. Like, oh yeah, baby. Loved it. Well, and you don't get extra lives in this game. You have three and that's it. Yep. But if you exceed the previous high score, you get a free credit. A whole new game. Isn't that awesome? It is. I like that. I like that mechanic a lot. Absolutely. And I think that explains why. it's this. The, the cabinet's got a weird thing about it, or the game does, where the high score list resets every 256 games. So it keeps track of 256 games, then it wipes them out and sets a new, new high score list and you start again. Because otherwise, I guess it would just keep getting higher and higher and higher forever, and nobody could ever get that, that free play. I wonder if that's a function of the design of the game, or if it's because the hardware was so limited that that's how many it could hold and then it had to start over. Well, sure, but you you think you would just write it over. Like, if you don't have to keep 256 separate lists. You would just say, here's my top 10, and you, you only need 10 spaces of ever. So I think it's intentional. I choose to believe. I choose to believe a lot of things, Mike, and this is among on that list. I think you're wrong, Carrington. <laughs> I choose to believe that you don't think that. <laughs> my life is really awesome this way. You really should embrace the choose to believe philosophy. <laughs> I, in fact, I choose to believe you just did. <laughs> so Spectar and... Targ, Spectar. I have difficulty calling this thing Spectre because Spectre is spelled R-E or in your case, I guess, E-R. How do Americans spell it? Do you spell it weird like the way you spell theater weird? <laughs> I've always spelled it E-R. Okay, you're weird. So, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. E-R, uh, R-E. Yeah, R-E, that's, okay. That's I, had a, I had a friend and I will not name her in case. In fact, I still have her as a friend. But in case she listens, I won't name this. She's an actor and she's actually really, really good. And she was up for a role or auditioned for a role in... The first uh, Scooby-Doo movie. And she was telling me afterwards. I'd run some lines with her. And she was telling me afterward about how her audition went. It was really, she goes, it was really strange. Because had like, you had to pretend. I don't remember what role she was up for. May have been Daphne. So she, was, she had to pretend like these ghosts were running at her and react. And they you know, get you on video doing the stuff you would do if you're up for a role like that. And so she was telling me later. It's so strange because they made up all these weird words. They, I kept having to yell, look out for the spectry. Look out for the spectry. And I didn't have the heart to tell her. I'm like, oh, I don't think you're going to get this role. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, whenever I see the word specter, I think that. So this game, which I find difficult to pronounce because it's Spectar and the game Targ. Well, one being the sequel, the other. They, I was looking at the cat cabinet on this thing and it's a like a lot of xcd stuff 
because they seem to be a bit of a low rent company. It's very generic cabinet with just the Exidy stuff on the side, it seems. And the control panel itself is just black and bland, really no graphics. It just has the uh, these four little arrows around the joystick that point up, down, left, right to tell you here's how a joystick works. And it's got a little XD logo in the middle. And that's it. Just two of those little glowing red, tiny red glow one and two player buttons. And uh, and that's it. The bezel's a bit better in that it's got, it's like the whole cabinet is sort of like Space Invader style, that it's an upright with very horizontal glass. And it's got on, on that big vertical glass, there's graphics all around the opening and in the middle you you look through to see the monitor and the graphics on the bezel are quite nice so this bright uh i guess it's red and yellow specter logo and some kind of scenes of spaceships and this anti-missile turret i mean so basically it doesn't the graphics don't really have a lot to do with the actual game <laughs> but it's kind of cool and i was reading about how well specter and targ are super similar games made by the same company they don't actually share the same boards and they're not even compatible for swapping the the roms because i guess there's not enough um there's not enough places to put the eproms for specter but the boards have the same pinouts so if you just have the two boards you can swap them between the two cabinets which are pretty much otherwise identical so um you can have a two for one if you have both a specter and a targ board and one of the two cabinets the thing is if you want that you'll probably pay a crazy price this seems like the kind of game where the cabinet would be cheap like, I really anticipated that this would be a cheap thing to get. I could find one for sale at the moment on the internet, and they're asking $1,500. Wow. And I couldn't find anything that sold in the last, like, year for less than 800 So for some crazy reason, this cabinet seems to go for bonkers money. And I don't know why. It doesn't even seem to be that rare. But for some reason, the people who – few people have it, and they want a ton to part with them. Wow, that's um, that's very interesting. I wonder what's behind that. I have no idea. It's interesting that you should say that uh, Exidy seemed like a low-rent company. I did say that. <laughs> because I'm standing behind that, <laughs> that right. slander. Well, uh, Wikipedia describes Exidy as one of the largest creators of arcade video games during the early period from 74 oh, really? to 86. Yes. Well, they just had no style. Then, oh, because see. You see Exidy stuff and it always kind of looks like... Exidy game cabinets to me always look like the cabinets you would find at a at a drive-in that was a bit run down and the games are two years old. That's an Exidy cabinet. That's an Exidy cabinet when it's brand new. It looks like that. <laughs> to me, Exidy cabinets just came off the line looking a little better. They just beat them up in the in yep, warehouse. Totally. <laughs> like, just, maybe I only ever saw them beat up. Maybe they came to Canada late or something. But for me, all the Exidy cabinets always seem to look a little bit like that. The company was founded by H.R. Pete Kaufman. The name Exidy is actually a portmanteau of the words excellence in dynamics. Oh, okay. Portmanteau is a fun word to say, too. So now I like the, I like the company a little more. And you'll like him even more after I tell you this. Tell me. I'm ready. I'm ready for some liking. <laughs> in 2007, H.R. Kaufman released all of their Exidy ROMs as freeware. I read about this, and I think that's the reason why if when you download MAME, you go over to mamedev.org slash ROMs slash whatever, Spectar is one of those games where you can get it for free. And so it seems to be like free and legally available. So I, I knew there must be some reason why that game is available. It basically comes with MAME. Yeah, so if, you, if you're the type of person who feels guilty about uh, downloading ROMs for, for MAME because they, they're, they're quasi-legal gray status, whatever you want to call it. You don't have to feel guilty about playing this game. You know what? I am not one of those people. <laughs> I rarely feel guilt. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I may be a sociopath. <laughs> I am Canadian, and therefore I know that portmanteau means luggage. 
So these are these are things that I know. I also know that XV is low rent, and yet I like them now. So, so I guess this was looking online. Two thousand and eight mm-hmm. is when the Spectre Code was released as freeware. Well, two years before that, in two thousand and six, Scott Huggins ported it to ColecoVision, and and he made a uh, a homebrew version of of Spectre for. Uh, ColecoVision, and along with a couple of other guys, he made Space Caverns and Astro Invader and Terra Attack and a bunch of others. And he's got a, a pretty funny, because it's not quite English as my first language site um, at ColecoVision.dk and uh, slash Huggins. So I will have a link to that in the show notes if you want to go and check out homebrew versions of these games, which look kind of cool, actually. So very, very impressive stuff. Interesting. Uh, one last bit of trivia on the company of Exidy before we move back to the game. The name Paul Terrell mean anything to you, Carrington? Almost certainly not. Paul Terrell owned the first bite shops. Oh, sure. Then, yeah, because recently he was uh, made the news for having photos of the Apple One or something, right? Right, yes. He sold the, the first... My, check out that big brain on Carrington. <laughs> he gave uh, the two Steves at Apple their first order for 50 Apple One uh, PCBs. That's basically what I said. And apparently, for a while, he was in charge of Exidy. Oh, Cool. Yeah. And while he was in charge there. Sorry for calling him low rent. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. While he was in charge there, he directed the company into the personal computer market temporarily, and they, they released the Exidy Sorcerer in 1978. I remember the Exidy Sorcerer. That is a very strange computer because it's got a big keyboard, and it had, it's one of the first ones I remember that had a, um, a built-in numeric keyboard off to the right, numeric keypad, rather, but it had that weird thing on the it was sort of like a stubby looking Apple too. Had that weird thing on the top that was the the extra buttons or something. Yeah. I've never actually played for one and re- played with one in real life. I don't think they were big in the outside of the U.S. All right, enough Exity talk. Back to Exidy, the game. Exity, out, out with you. Exit. E. We've been talking about Targ and, and this game and the differences. We have been. The big difference uh, between these games, obviously, other than the graphics, is that the maze now has barricades um, that you can use to avoid your enemies. Right, or which also channel you, so you can't always go where you want. True, yes, it's a good way to get trapped. And the scenes, the, the environments change from level to level, which means... And that I like that. Like, So it's each of the little squares that make up the 9x9 grid. Every level seemed to be a different sort of shape. Not a huge, you know, doesn't really affect gameplay much, but visually I found it interesting. Yeah, I liked it. The, the uh, environments are described as the city, the forest, the lunar landscape, and others. Really? Is that, what that was? Is that what I was supposed to think this was? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? The enemies are smarter and faster, and they spawn from pods, and that makes the game even more of a frenzy challenge. Do your enemies... Are the enemies named? I forgot to read through the manual, they, so I don't know if they they're are called. named. Oh, cool. And I do are not... they named Bob and Phil? Bob and John. Ah. The Targs are, I think, the red ones. Okay, so that's the the, gener- the normal bad guy. And then you have the rammer, which is more dangerous, and that's the one that okay. shoots at you. And you are you the... You think it would be the other way around, because the rammers, those red guys, all they do is try to run into you. So you think they would be the rammers. Targs have evolved into the more dangerous rammers, and spectars appear more often shooting at player ships. So there you oh, go. Oh, see that... So Okay, so then the rammers... So I guess they were called targs I was wrong, targ. damn it. And now they're called, I'm just dragging it out so everyone knows how wrong you are. And so the main bad guys are the rammers and, and hold on to, hold on to the feeling, Mike. We're going to keep going. And the ones who shoot at you are the spectars. Ah, that felt good. Ladies and gentlemen, next week I'm going to be running a contest for, there's going to be a, a new seat available as co-host of this podcast. 
<laughs> so what else can you tell me about this game? I couldn't really find a lot of trivia about it. I tried to look online, but there really wasn't a lot, it seemed. I really couldn't find a whole lot about it other than, no. other than the fact that it's freeware and then the exit information. It's a super early... I mean, it's... It's not just an early game. I mean, we're dealing with a game that came out. When did this come out? 80, 81? It was released like in December of 1980. Okay, so right at the end of 80. And it, it looks it. Like, you, it, without even seeing the cabinet, if you didn't know any of the history of this game and you walked up to it, it's not that it's super low resolution. Because its resolution isn't really different than most of the games from the era. But there's something like inherently kind of simple about it that marks it as an early game. Like this is a game that you just know came out in the space invaders time. Like you see this game and go, yeah, okay. It has that aesthetic to it, Um, which isn't to say that I don't like it. I love it. I love it more because of that. Actually. I I love that whole era and I dig this super early game. So, but there is trying to paint a word picture for our audience. Like it's, it's one of those games that, that, is clearly a 1980 game, like a super early, early game. But great gameplay. Holy cow, this is a fun game. Yeah, this is, a, again, sort of the difference between Satan of Saturn, which runs pretty much on the same hardware, and this game is game design and play. I kept finding myself coming back to this game over and over and over through the week. Me too. So. I had the exact same experience where I would play it, and I would stop. It's a pick-up-and-play game, but then it hooks you, and you go, oh, just one more, just one more. Just one. like it's, it's fun enough that even though there's not a lot happening, it doesn't feel repetitive. I'll sit down and, and burn through 10 of these games and then take a break and then feel like playing again really soon. Like It's just super enjoyable. I agree, and the first few, I never played this game in the ar- arcade. In fact, I don't know that I ever saw it in the arcade. I don't think I did either, to be honest. But it was one that, so when I dropped the first virtual quarter in, I died very quickly. Oh, and God, yeah. The first yeah. few <laughs> games were very, extremely frustrating because every time you die, you got to watch that little, your ship, is, by the way, is called the Wummer. Um, the Wummer? Yes. Okay. That's, that's what it's called, yep. Sure, why not? You die, and then you have to watch the Wummer draw a big square around the screen, which only takes yep. like, I don't know, eight or five to eight seconds or something, but it drives it's me, a long five it to eight a seconds. long time to get back into the game. But I quickly yeah. picked up on it and I did a lot better. So how'd you do, Carrington? Well I did pretty good. I I usually would get into level six, into the the get my six thousand bonus. My best game ever, I finished level eight. I got my eight thousand bonus, and my total score was forty three thousand six hundred and sixty. Seems to be one of those games where all my scores ended in ten. So that was my best. I hear that once you get to level nine, either things change something new happens or like the maze stays the same or something, but I never could get there. Like I, I or never, never get past level nine rather. So just, I, but I kept reading online that like after level nine, things either start repeating or I, I couldn't get there. I drove me crazy. I got so close, but I didn't actually see it in real life. So yeah. as you play through the game, uh, we should point out it's the first couple of levels are, are slow and kind of mm-hmm. lazy. Thank, uh, thankfully. Yeah. They didn't feel slow the first time. No, I played, not at all. But, as you as you play your way through it, they pick up considerably in speed, and it gets quite a bit difficult, yep. quite a bit more difficult to even turn down the right path that you meant to go down. Especially if you're in this fast mode when you're going, you have those two speeds. Mm-hmm. Man, if I'm in quick mode, I just go from one end of the maze to the other, and I'm like, okay, now that I've hit a wall, I guess I'll turn. Well, and I found that if you play long enough on a level, so if you leave one or two of the ships alive and just drive around the level, they get a lot faster, and then they get smarter. Ah, uh, that kind of makes sense, actually, to end the game. Otherwise, you'll just, yeah, run forever. Well, because you could just sit there and, and hit those tank things and have and get the points for that and have them regenerate. And, and as long as one of those little red ones are alive or you haven't eaten the last 
little spinner thing, you don't have to advance. And so they get really fast and they track you. All yeah, I would just go for the spinners. Like my goal was complete the spinners and go on to the next level. So how did you do in general? How'd you compare to 43,660? I got 52,220. You suck. Yep, I know. Oh, and the thing is, I, I was off Twitter for uh, mo- this last week and a half. So sorry, Twitter. I've, I've missed you. I'll come back. And um, it was only right before the show I realized you had trash-talked me with an early screenshot that would have made me feel like I was totally beating you. Yes, I, so. I, I threw out a low one just to bait you and to see, see where I had to go from there. But you didn't respond. When it comes to baiting, you are the master. Fortunately, I, I, I did go on to beat you, although not by much. And like you, I got to about the eighth level. Right. I felt it. But I, it, the, the thing where you get... You, getting a bonus like points for for completing level is is good and fun, but the fact that every time it goes up by a thousand, and then that basically is telling you each time, hey, you got to six, you got to seven, you got to eight, it gives you a real sense of accomplishment. Like so, it really that was something really motivating me to come back and play again because you, you you're keeping track of how far you go. I I like that element a lot. I just like the fact that that every time I beat my previous top score, I got a free game out of it. I, I mean, know you get that little reward. It's right? weird because it's it's virtual quarters. Who cares? I just hit the I hit the three key and name, and it drops another quarter. And but I still want the free one. Absolutely, because you you earn it. There's a lot of little details like that. Like this is a really good game. I strongly strongly urge people that like uh, sort of shoot 'em up arcade games to 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 check out this one. It's awesome. Now, what do you think about the sound effects? We've talked about how the graphics are pretty limited. Yeah, I mean. I, I didn't hate them. I did. I, 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 for the most part, played it without putting headphones on, and so it wasn't bugging me. But it, not super memorable. Like it's just sort of beepy. It does this one thing where like the sound goes into this other. Cha- I couldn't even really figure out why, but this one point where it sort of changes, and then it changes back when you kill stuff or something. I don't know. I, it sound was okay. It was it was beepy. It was nineteen eighty sound. Yeah, totally. So no, nothing spectacular. There's nothing. There's no catchy music here or anything. Where you go, oh, I'm gonna be whistling that tune. So what about ports? I remember playing a game called Crossfire by Sierra Sierra Online on the um, Apple II. And that was a similar-ish sort of game. I used to think of it as a Targ-like game, but with shooting. But I guess it was actually a Spectar-like game, except with shooting in multiple directions. I did not play that Sierra Online game, so I don't, I'm not familiar with that particular one. There, there was another Apple II game that I played that reminded me... At least of the the sort of labyrinth maze chase portion of it, right? Uh, called Crime Wave. Do you remember that? Oh, one? I no. Hmm. So we played different ones. I've never heard of that game. Yeah, and I don't know if there were other ports. I mean, we we talked about how uh, Scott Huggins in two thousand six so late ported it to ClickoVision, but I don't know of other games. And in looking online, I didn't read about Spectar being like an official port on because it's the kind of game you think would have been on. Atari 2600 and stuff. They must have been. I just I guess I'm just probably not aware of them. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything at all about that. The only, In fact, the only thing that I am seeing are that there were a few bootlegs out. That seems weird because you would think you would be able to make this game. You, I mean, you specifically, Mike. You would be able to I make could, this game I could code for Atari. It, code it in Applesoft Basic in an afternoon. Yeah, maybe it was a licensing thing. Hmm. Just maybe no, nobody ever licensed it. But you think Exidy themselves would have just ported it to... Because this is a game that could have been done on the 2600. Just you'd fill in the blocks and just... I think you could have. Maybe too many things moving on screen at once. There are a lot of sprites, so... Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, you know what I care about, most of all? I care about what we'll do battle in next week. Well, you'll have to guess before you can play, Carrington. <laughs> How could I guess? What kind of clue could you give? Uh, I'm going to give you a, a visual, a video clue this time. <laughs> How are you? Oh, <laughs> now it sounds like this. 
Well, that sounds interesting. When we talk about it, you'll see where how it influenced the company that made it and the games that came after it. Oh, that sounds like an exciting episode. Nobody should miss that one. I think you're right. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for podcasting with me. Thank you, Carrington. I'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. Hey!